Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Good to see everyone. Uh, Man, I missed you guys. If you didn't know, I was out of the country uh, ministering in South Africa. Uh, If we were Facebook friends, you got some pictures that you can look through. Um, And uh, I encourage you uh, to look through those and just rejoice. We had a lot of people get saved, healed, delivered, uh, set free, taught, encouraged, loved on. It was just a great trip. Uh, I've had a few people say, hey, man, I'd like to do that sometime. So my mom, uh, with her ministry, Encouraging Word with Ann Nunley, uh, is the one that organized the trip. It was actually through her, her ministry called EWAN. Um, And so if that's something you think you might want to do in the future, uh, talk to her, all right? Uh, it's, uh, although she'll put you to work, don't think it's a vacation, okay? Like, you will be speaking in front of people. Um, Mom has no problem uh, pushing you and stretching you when it comes to ministry. Uh, But uh, it was great, uh, just a fantastic time. God was so faithful. Thank you for praying, um, and uh, we're really excited about that. Um, I also wanted to mention, I just felt like as a shepherd and a pastor, I wanted to address uh, what's happening right now in our country. As you guys know, unless you've been living under a rock, on Friday, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which was the legal decision that made abortion, yeah, that made abortion legal here. Um, which, of course, has set off a firestorm of craziness um, in our culture. Uh, and I just want to remind you of a few things. Uh, first of all, I, I did a whole sermon. It was one of our elephants in the room. It was back in 2019 on abortion. Said everything I want to say about it. Went back to scripture and talked about, you know, how should Christians approach this and then actually left scripture and, 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 and pled my case uh, for uh, the uh, immorality of abortion apart from faith. Um, and, and so, but it's, I just want to encourage you during this time, you don't have to respond to everything you see. Uh, this is, you know, ask yourself, ask myself this often, which fruit of the spirit am I exhibiting right now? as I'm discussing this, and uh, don't make one up. (laughs) Gloating, criticism, these are not fruits of the Spirit, right? These are fruits of the flesh. I know many of you have been praying for a long time to see that happen, Uh, and I, I do think it's a good thing. However, I do think it's partial. I don't think the goal of Christians should be to make abortion illegal as much as it is to make it unthinkable. To, because we've, got a, we've, we've changed laws now, but laws don't change hearts. We need to make it to where people don't want to get an abortion, not just bar them from being able to. Right? That's the ultimate goal is heart change. That's why Jesus came, not to pass governmental laws, but to change hearts. So if this is important to you, celebrate it. For, I know there are many people. We have, a, we have a very diverse group of people here at VFC. We want to keep it that way. And there's some people that are like, they feel punched in the gut over this. And so I really encourage you, use wisdom and, and drench everything you do in love during this time. People are watching you. 
They're watching how you respond, and they're trying to determine whether or not you're a safe person to talk to. So just be, be, be aware. It's not time uh, just to do whatever you want to and, and yeah, in your face, yeah, right? That's just, that's not what Christians do, amen? Amen. Are y'all good? Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, we're in the middle of a series this summer called This Is My Story, where we're hearing from the stories of different people within our church fellowship. Other times, I'm telling the story of people in Scripture. I love this. It's an awesome opportunity to hear uh, from our church family and be encouraged about what God is doing. Um, th- this, this Sunday was one of my Sundays to tell a story uh, from within Scripture, but I really felt like it'd be good to hear from my son, Ethan. Uh, This month is the 10-year anniversary of where he had a a near-death experience that changed all of our lives uh, and just really affected us in a deep way. And so uh, I'm going to, we're going to do this together. Uh, I asked him if he wanted to do this and he was like, "Uh, maybe. And I said, well, what if I'm up there with you and we talk together? He goes, yes, I'll do it. So would you guys please welcome my oldest son, Ethan Nunley. There we go. <laughs> Isn't he a treasure, folks? <laughs> and he's wearing plaid. Hey, that's his choice. I did not force him. I did, I did it on purpose. Someone has to carry the legacy, so it's falling <laughs> to me. This is next-gen plaid. Um, so we want to tell, first of all, we want to tell the story about what happened, and then we've got some, some kind of things to talk about, what Ethan learned through this. You know, I've shared this story a few times. I've shared it here. It was a long time ago, and I've shared it at a few conferences and things like that, but I really wanted you to hear from Ethan um, because his story regarding this event is different than mine and Tiffany's. Uh, and so we just wanted to kind of walk you through what happened on June 6th uh, 2012. Um, it had been raining for a, a long time, several, several days in a row, and there was flooding across our street. That's Remington Avenue, close to where we live. It's the junction of Remington and Covington. Uh, there was a kind of a pond there, uh, and because of all the water, um, it, had, it had gone over the street, and we have this picture because I took my children to go check everything out. It's like, hey, let's, let's go see what's going on. Um, and uh, Ethan, you want to share a little bit about what was going yeah. on? Yeah, so um, I was 12 years old, and big flood. And yeah, there's, that's the driveway we walked down. We waded through that water. And um, right to the right of that was a, um, a drain pipe, um, the kind that you see that just goes under someone's driveway entrance and comes out the other side, except for this one did not come out the other side. And um, <laughs> so... Uh, and that's why this story exists now. Um, but um, so we were just having fun, uh, being kind of dumb, I guess, and waiting through, waiting through the water. And um, I saw a spiral uh, of water, kind of like a, like a whirlpool. And, um, and me and my bright 12-year-old brain thought it would be a good idea to go into it. Uh, so... <laughs> So um, I did, and I um, got sucked into the drain. I folded over backwards, um, like uh, fingers to toes, and went in backwards, butt first. And, um, and yeah, so um, where's the, the slide of the... 
Or is there anything you want to add? No, yeah, we can look at here. Uh, so that's yeah, the actual, the drain. that's the entrance to the drain. Mm-hmm. We didn't know it was a drain at the time, of course. We just thought it was just, mm-hmm. you know, underneath the driveway. Um, what was crazy is that I didn't see, I was there and his brother and sister were there. Uh, Tiffany was the smart one, uh, not there. And uh, I, I didn't see him go in. That was the first miracle is that someone did see him go in. There was a neighborhood kid that was with us, and he said, he said, Mr. Jamie, Ethan went in the water. I said, okay, you know, uh, where is he? And he was like, I was like, well, help him out. And he was like, well, you know, he, he didn't know how to explain what was going on. And so I, I then began to, at this point, Ethan's uh, traveling, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out where he is. I'm reaching in uh, to there. I'm almost getting sucked in myself. Uh, there was a police officer who's actually part of this church, now, um, who, who was there and he and I, I called him over and we were trying to, we didn't know he had entered an entire drain system underground. We just thought that, that he was underwater somewhere and, and time began to pass. And, and I'm thinking, I mean, we're, we're a couple minutes into this and I know, you know, he, he was a good swimmer for his age, Mm -hmm. but I know he can't hold his breath that long. And so I, I'm having conversations with God. The Lord just speaks to Tiffany. She comes running from the house. She knows something's wrong. Um, and, and I tell her, hey, Ethan went under the water, and we're trying to find him. And, and people began to get out of their cars. You saw the traffic uh, that was there. Um, and people began to get out of their cars and look. There was a pond nearby. I didn't know if somehow he'd ended up in the pond or, or, or what was going on. Uh, but he, like he said, folded in half uh, with fingers to toes backwards, started traveling through this drain system. Um, and all, and I, wanted, I don't want to talk too much about Tiffany and Mai's response just because I want to get to Ethan's part of the story. But, but you know, we, we thought we had lost our son. I mean, there was a point in time where we were like, you know, I'm going to be a parent of a child who's passed. And, and, and the Lord began to speak to us, began to give us his um, empowerment, his spiritual gifts, the gift of faith. Uh, came over both of us. We began to speak to Ethan, even though we didn't know where he was. We said, Ethan Nunley, you will live and you will not die. In Jesus' name. I'm praying in the spirit so loud, everyone's turning around looking at me like I'm crazy. But I don't care. Whatever. Um, and, then, and then finally, um, we find Ethan. But before I talk about that, what, talk yeah. about the like, journey. Like, where did you go? What were you thinking? Yeah, so at first, um, it was just kind of, I didn't, I didn't understood what happened, what had, what had happened. Uh, I was just kind of shocked. Uh, I don't think I realized the severity of the situation until about halfway through the underground traveling portion. And, um, and then it hit me. Um, but it was really amazing. Um, it was extremely supernatural. Uh, I didn't freak out. I didn't wail. I didn't breathe in water. I didn't um, do anything that caused long-term damage. Usually when people are drowning, they get water in their lungs. Um, so the, the, that was the second miracle is that I, I was calm and honestly kind of clear-minded and, uh, while underneath. Which is rare. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, which is rare. <laughs> um, so I, um, I had a bunch of thoughts. I thought, I thought, I mean, and keep in mind I'm 12, so some of these thoughts are 
from a 12-year-old. Um, I, thought, I thought I was going to end up in someone's toilet. Like, I was like, <laughs> I'm, surely, I'm surely, this is like the sewage system. Like, I'm, there's, I can't fit in a toilet, so like, I'm, like, I'm dead. And so I eventually started to realize, like, they're, like, how do I get out of this? I don't know how to get out of this. Like, there's nothing I can do. I'm out of control. And that's when I start talking with God. Um, and so um, I, I remember spiraling down, you know, thinking, like, oh, this is it. This is it. Uh, and then something, like, just switched. And I decided that I was going to speak uh, hope and life into myself. And I started to not accept it. Um, I remember saying to myself, this isn't right. I'm supposed to go to school. I'm supposed to go to college. I'm supposed to graduate college. Um, and so I started just praying. And I remember praying, God, I, this doesn't feel right. But whatever happens, like, I'm still yours. Um, and um, obviously it was okay. I'm here today. But... Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, that was, that was another miracle was that I was clear-headed and was able to think clearly and not freak out, panic, or um, really just get water in my lungs was the, was the big thing that told me afterwards, which was, what, which was a big deal. So, so then I started, to, um, I started to, go, to go unconscious. I started the process of going unconscious, and I, uh, and I saw what looked like knives, like knife points um, from all around the side of my vision. My eyes, I don't know if they were open or closed, but I couldn't see anything. It was dark. And um, it started to spiral and close in. Um, I started seeing spots. Um, and then it got really light. And I thought I had gone to heaven. <laughs> I thought I was ascending. Um, but what, what had I, happened? What but I got spit out of the drain. Um, and um, I came out the other side and to a, a creek that was at that point in time not a creek it was more like whitewater rapids um and you went back under so yeah i came up and took the most painful breath of my life and then uh kind of went up and under as if you had fallen out of a boat in whitewater rapids like class five whitewater rapids and uh were tumbling around um so then i hit a tree um underwater underwater that held me underwater uh, and I took all my strength and kind of just like did like a, like a squat and pushed myself up and grabbed another branch that had fallen and held myself there for a while. Um, I didn't know where I was at this point. I also still didn't fully recognize like if this was a big deal that had happened or not. Um, like I just, I had no, there was no gauge for, for like the severity of this. Like this wasn't like ever a possibility I'd thought about. Like, I mean, I, I was aware that, like, you know, uh, of how other freak accidents happen, but, like, no one, I'd never even heard of someone getting sucked down a drain before, so I didn't know if, if this was, like, as severe as it, as it felt. Uh, so I started um, uh, calling for help, actually first, because I didn't know the, the, the severity of it, I actually just yelled, hello, and hello. for some reason... And then I was Hello. like, I should probably call for help. And so I did. And um, at that point, I think an EMT had heard yeah, me because I saw, I saw an ambulance through the tree line. And I was like, oh, that's a road. So um, and I didn't know that ambulance was for me, but it was. <laughs> let, me, let me kind of show them. This, yeah. is, uh, this is kind of a bird's eye view of the area. The, the star at the very top is where Ethan went into the drain system. He then went pitch black dark, all water, underneath the road. 
did almost a 90-degree angle and then went underneath Covington as well, the second road. Then at that uh, third star is where he was spit out. And that's when he caught a breath, which, you know, another miracle is that he didn't hit his head and get knocked unconscious. Uh, and, and so he, he, he got out, he, he was spit out, got his breath, went back under and traveled to that final star, which is behind uh, Peanuts Kitty College on, on Covington. Uh, the total distance underground was 100 yards. The total distance in the Whitewater Rapid runoff area under the water was 100 yards as well. Um, so we keep measuring my football fields. I just talked about this a couple of... Uh, <laughs> A couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, and while Ethan's going through this, you know, Tiffany and I are, are talking to the Lord. Uh, we, we had that same kind of switch that happened in our minds. There's panic. There's, you know, there's all this stuff. But then all of a sudden, we just became acutely aware of our inability to do anything and complete and total reliance on the Lord. Um, and so uh, someone heard Ethan and we all went running around on either side of the, the big, what was now like Whitewater Rapid River. And, uh, I could see him. I saw him and I was just like, oh my gosh, he's alive. It was crazy. Uh, but I couldn't get to him. I tried to get in the water and I got yelled at by the dive team. Do y'all know Thomas was a dive team? They do. And that, that lady yelled at me and she should have, cause I didn't need to get swept off. Someone else went on the other side, and uh, they were close enough to Ethan. They could stretch out and grab him, and they pulled him to safety. I ran up and told Tiffany, say, hey, we, you know, um, he's, he's live. He's here. We've got him. And, uh, and she slept in his hospital bed that night, uh, <laughs> making sure she wouldn't lose sight of him. Um, and so it, it, was, it was an amazing thing. There's so much to unpack, so much we could share um, what I want to really talk about, though, is, is Ethan's experience afterwards. And it, it was genuinely a miracle. Uh, it was a miracle he was seen going under that we even knew what happened. It was a miracle he didn't hit his head. It was a miracle that he stayed lucid and, and was able to think. Uh, it was a miracle that he yelled loud, loud enough that we could hear him. I mean, all these miracles uh, where God was moving. The, the community, many of you, the word went out so quick. It was a Wednesday night, and so some people were getting together for like choir practices at churches all over, and they were praying, hey, a boy's been sucked into the drain. And, and we had just an outpouring of, of people uh, praying for Ethan, praying for us. They didn't even know it was us. They just heard about the boy. Um, and so afterwards, he spends the night in the hospital. Amazingly, he's got some pretty good lacerations, some cuts down on his legs from that concrete uh, drain, uh, but he's amazingly fine, uh, and he gets sent home. Uh, and then, you know, Ethan begins to process the whole situation. And talk, talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you responded afterwards. You seemed fine at first. He went swimming like a week afterwards. We were like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, only, only half of this is the actual miracle of surviving. The other half is... Um, you know, the fallout for, you know, years to come up till now. Um, so yeah, at first I was okay. I was, I was shaken up, but I was, I was okay. Um, and he milks it by the way. Like he didn't do chores for like a month. He was like, Hey, I just went through a drain. (laughs) I don't think I need to clean my room. (laughs) No, I, I did. I did. Um, but so I don't, it was, it was a month or so later we were on vacation 
and uh, my grandfather uh, miraculously survived a heart attack. Um, but that was kind of like the nail of like, okay, <laughs> now I have, now that's when I got hit with all of um, this anxiety. 2012 was a hard year for the Nunley family. Yeah. There was just a lot that went on. Uh, so so a- after that, um, uh, he, my, he, my grandfather survived. He, he's, um, he's still in good health and everything was great, but... That's when I started having psychosomatic, anxiety-induced physical symptoms of medical um, illnesses. Um, so, I went through probably the hardest two years of my life after the drain, um, where I could barely leave the house. Um, I was homeschooled, thank God. I would not have survived middle school at all. <laughs> but... Um, I was fully convinced. Let me just share something about that. Yeah. Um, Ethan was in school, uh, and then we felt like it was time near middle school. We just felt like we should homeschool him. It was really weird. We're not, uh, you know, I, I, I look at homeschool families, and I think, wow, those guys have it together, and, and we don't. Um, and, and Tiffany was very uh, nervous about the idea of homeschooling, and she felt completely inadequate. But we heard from God, and we did it anyway before this accident not realizing that he would need this time at home to fully recover mentally and emotionally. Always listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says, even if you don't feel adequate and even if it doesn't make sense. Right, because I, I, didn't, I didn't hate you all the time, but I didn't like the, that decision. I didn't right. want to be homeschooled. And, um, but now, obviously, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, that would have been bad. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I was fully convinced by age 13 and a half that I had heart problems and that I had brain cancer. Um, I developed very severe, I got diagnosed with general anxiety, OCD and pan and, um, PTSD. Um, and so I, OCD being the worst, um, I, I, um, OCD was, was very severe. Let me just real quick. People think OCD is cleaning. They'll say, well, I got to clean my house. I have OCD. Mm -hmm. Don't say that. Because that's not what it is at all. It's obsessive compulsive disorders where you have obsessive thoughts and the only way to get rid of them is through compulsive behavior. Sometimes that compulsive behavior is cleaning or washing your hands, but it can be all sorts of things. Uh, Don't say you have OCD just because you like to keep things neat. Um, it, it, It is a real thing that's caused through trauma. Um, And so that's what Ethan was experiencing. He would have obsessive thinking. Right. Yeah. So I, I, for me, at first it just started out, started out with the compulsive thought of like, you have this, you have this, you have this. Um, and eventually, um, there, there kind of comes a time where you have to like just put your foot down. And um, that happened when I ended up going, my doctor was like, okay, I'm done listening to you. <laughs> like, just go get an MRI and find out for yourself, like that you're okay. And so I did, and that's when I had my first panic attack. Was inside the MRI because uh, he. Crab I don't know if you walked. know what an MRI. I don't know if you know what an MRI looks like, but it looks. It's a small circular tube, kind of like a drain. So, <laughs> so that didn't go very well. So, and I didn't go through with it. I squeezed the thing that gave me to panic, and crab walked out, hit my head on the way out, and I was like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna have to trust that there's there's nothing wrong with me. Um, but it morphed. So then comes, uh, the OCD, which, which is that I had to do certain things in order or else something bad would happen. Uh, and it turned to religious and spiritual, um, anxiety. 
I thought that I was going to hell if I um, like did something wrong. Uh, so like uh, we have two staircases in our house, a back and a front one. And uh, this is just an example. It, it was a bunch of things, but uh, an example was for a long time I didn't use the back staircase because if I did, that meant that I was going to hell. It makes no sense. And that's why it's a mental illness, because it makes no sense. Um, and he knew that was wrong. Right. You know in reality that it's not he right. He think but, rationally. But it's, it doesn't matter because it's, the you feel. That's how you feel. It. So that's kind of what OCD looks like and what it looked like for me specifically. Um, and um, so that was, that was kind of like OCD was like 13 to 15 was like the, the years of OCD. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to go from. Here. No, that's good. So, so as parents, we're trying to figure out what do we do, and so you know, we we hook him up with a counselor, and he begins to to go to a Christian counselor and think through things, and it's beginning to help, but it's not stopping everything. And so we 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 uh, thankfully we're able to put him on on some medicine that was known to help OCD in teenagers, especially. It just for whatever reason had that had that effect. Um, and so we just walked with Ethan. There were so many nights, you guys, I cannot tell you how many nights of me just staying in Ethan's room until he fell asleep. Um, until he, you know, just talking him through and, and being patient. And it, it was so frustrating because he knows they aren't right thoughts. Mm-hmm. He knew that. He's a smart kid. But, but the feeling overwhelmed the thinking um, and he and he had to um, and he had to learn how to overcome that. Uh, so let's let's talk about let's switch to kind of some of the yeah. stuff about what you learned during this time. And Ethan and I sat down a few days ago and just kind of walked through what what are the takeaways that he learned through this experience. So let's just talk about that. Yeah. So the first one, uh, the biggest thing that helped me in those in those early years when OCD was just rampant and the biggest thing in my life, the biggest boulder in my path was uh to renew learn i had to learn how to renew my mind and um romans 12 2 talks about this um it tells us to be transformed um by the renewing of your mind so um i had to learn how to do this and there's three steps to this um the first one is um you have to acknowledge how you feel uh, anytime you have, and this, this applies to, this doesn't just apply to OCD and anxiety. This applies to trauma, this applies to any intrusive thought that isn't true. And it isn't reflective of what God or the Bible says. Um, the first one is to acknowledge how you feel and accept that you are indeed having these thoughts or having these feelings. And the second one, the second step is to, to find the truth. Um, for me, it was, it turned into being spiritual anxiety. I thought for reasons other than not being saved, I could go to hell, uh, which wasn't true. So I would take um, verses um, like the Great Commission, uh, like uh, how you receive salvation, and I would drill those into me and remind myself. And then the third step is, uh, is repeating it over and over, is, re- is, re- is replacing it with that. Um, so acknowledge, uh, remove, and replace um, the way I like to say it, and y'all probably heard me say this before, is identify the lie, substitute the truth. Identify the wrong thinking, identify the truth, and substitute it for the wrong thinking. And then Ethan added this third point of just, and repeat. Yeah. <laughs> Wash, rinse, yeah. repeat, right? It's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle of mind renewal. 
Right. Because for as many times as my brain told me uh, something bad was going to happen, I had to tell it, no, there's not. It wasn't a one-time thing. I had to also replicate that and repeat, no, this is the right thing. This is the right thing. This is the right thing to combat all the times I heard, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Um, so that, so that, that's, the, that's the first thing um, that's been huge um, that you can apply to anything in your life. Um, the second one uh, is to protect your relationship with God. Um, people have usually have two responses when they go through trauma or uh, any big um, blockade in their life that causes um, stress. And they either shy away from God because they feel that he's not there, he doesn't care anymore, or he's not real. Um, and they, they forget their faith and kind of move on from it. Or they grow even closer and have to rely on him. Um, I did both. It was kind of a cycle. Um, so at first, everything was okay, and then I started having um, all the anxiety, the OCD, the panic attacks, and um, I was like, God, why? Like, you saved me. I- I've been told you saved me, but then why is this? This is almost worse than going through the drain, having to, like, have my heart rate go above 150 every day because I, like, can't go down the right staircase, you know, to clean to clear my mind. Like, like why this this why would you let this happen to me? And I started to to fall away at times, um, but then there's a point where it just gets so stressful and life gets so hard and so like meaningless without God that you have to just fall back in and get back uh, and and build back up your relationship with God. And, and as parents, you know, we saw this cycle that Ethan would go through. And it's very important, parents, if you have a child that's struggling in their faith, don't shame them, right? Meet them where they are. Jesus did not shame Thomas for his doubt. He showed him his scars. And so Ethan would have a good day and then Ethan would say, hey, pray for me. And he'd have a bad day. He'd be like, look, I don't even know if prayer works. And, and we wouldn't say, no, young man in our house, prayer works. We didn't do that. We, we said, you know what? I hear you, man. I hear you. I know, I, know, I know it's tough. Can we just sit with you for a little bit? And, and, and that, that really, I think, helped him. We, we let him grow through the situation. We didn't panic. Oh, no, our son's not going to follow Jesus anymore. We gave him the space he needed to heal. Um, and, and he really dove into theology as well. Yeah, so, so I want to go over Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah 55, 6. Says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is, while he is near. Uh, and this, this, this point also goes, goes to say that you should be close to God before tragedy strikes. Um, I was, thank God, that my parents um, did a great job of instilling um, faith uh, in me, and so that when this happened, I didn't fully fall away. Um, yeah, so don't, and yeah, this also, don't undermine um, having a good theological understanding. Theology is extremely important, especially in times when you have questions like this, when something happens. When life's easy, it's easy just to coast and, and uh, just believe whatever people tell you. Um, but when things get hard, it's when you have questions. And if you don't have answers to those questions, it makes it so much easier to fall away. So, yeah, make sure theology is, is, is also important. Um, and then the last point uh, is, was that um, medicine and counseling can be a good thing. Um, I 
went through counseling, and I was on medicine. I was on Zoloft for seven years, I think, and the dosage got higher and higher. And at first, I didn't want to go on it because it seemed like there was something wrong with me if I did. Uh, but there was something wrong with me, and this was the thing that could fix it. Um, so I, I encourage you, don't always just... Prayer and miracles happen. They're good. But um, God created the ingredients and the things on earth necessary to create medicine that helps us. Mm-hmm. He gave people the knowledge to be able to counsel us. Um, so Let me just say, that the medical community and God's divine healing are not at odds with one another. They often work together. And for mm-hmm. some reason, there's this stigma if you're a Christian and you need to be on an antidepressant or something like that. It's just not, that, that's just not a healthy mentality. Um, you know, if, if someone fell down and broke their leg, the bone's sticking out of their leg, you wouldn't say, read the Bible more, boy. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and he had something that snapped uh, in, his, in his mental state. And so to say, well, just read the Bible. Well, yeah, read the Bible, but also, like, you know, all knowledge is God's. It all came from him. The ability to understand the world around us comes from him. And so if we've got people that have discovered some medicine that helps, then, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I just, I need y'all to hear that. While at the same time, we believed for complete and total healing. Yeah. You can do both. Yeah, you can, you can pray for healing, and you can also use uh, what's right in front of you. Um, I mean, you, if you have a headache, you take, you take aspirin or, or a painkiller of some sort. You know, uh, it's important to not fall in too far and ab- abuse things uh, or overuse things that um, use these things, but it's, it does not counterintuitive to God. The other, the other big part about this that goes with counseling is counseling can come from friends um, and family and talking to people. The biggest thing that helped me, almost more than anything else, was just talking to people and getting it out. Things sound big in your head, and when you say them out loud, they sound smaller. Um, that, that's the lie of anxiety, is that if you acknowledge something, it makes it real. But anxiety is a bully. And if you acknowledge it, it actually makes you realize it's not as big as it says it is. Anxiety is a dog with a really big bark but no teeth. And, and so Ethan had to learn to talk about it. And, and, and he did official therapy, but at the time, Chance was his youth pastor, and Chance was incredibly helpful just listening to Ethan. And, and just, I remember one trip, he went on a youth trip. <laughs> Chance didn't get any sleep. I'm like, welcome <laughs> to my world, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I encourage you, whatever you're going through, it doesn't, doesn't have to be anxiety, uh, whether it's, you know, a financial strain, whether it's... Um, uh, anything uh, besides anxiety, find someone who's going through the same thing as you and talk about it to each other. You don't even have to have the answers. Just relating to someone who has, who's going through the same thing that you are uh, was it's probably the biggest helpful, practical, helpful thing you can do. That's good. Um, yeah. We need to wrap it up. So yes, how are you doing it. now, Ethan? Uh, so I recently, um, as of the beginning of this year, am 100% off of Zoloft's. Um, and yeah, which is, um, a huge, that in, in itself is a miracle because for a while I didn't think I was ever going to get off of it. Um, and I'm doing okay. Like I'm actually still good while off of it now. Um, I still struggle with OCD and with anxiety every single day. Um, I know how to deal with it now is the difference. I have the experience, I have the tools, um, and my relationship with God is at a point now 
to where I know how to navigate the waters. I know um, how to experience thoughts. I know how to replace them with the truth. I know who to talk to, how to talk to them, and I know how to protect my relationship with God. Um, and so, so now I st- it's still there, but it's, it's, uh, it's a speck compared to the boulder it once was. And, and it's cool to see people come to Ethan now, um, you know, who are going through similar things, and you now have the compassion and the patience, mm-hmm. you're right, to help people who are going through similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that's, that's our story. That's, that's what God has done. Isn't that awesome? Uh, would you stand for prayer? We want to pray for you. As, as I was actually even sharing um, during the message, I didn't think about this. Some of you, in particular moms, you're scared to death of something happening to your children. You need to be set free from that. There is, you're called to protect, but worrying is not protection. As a matter of fact, it sends you down the wrong path, and it sometimes even makes those things you fear more likely to happen. And, and so, you know, we were, we were put in a situation where we had to completely and totally trust God for, for uh, our child's safety. And I want to pray for you in particular if you struggle. Some of you, you have dreams, you panic about something happening to your child. And your child, honestly, if I can be, if I can be honest with you, is borderline an idol in your life. Because you think you love them more than God. And so that needs to be taken care of. And then we also want to pray um, for anyone dealing with anxiety, OCD, uh, any kind of mental disorder as well. Does that sound good? Well, I'll start. Um, I'll pray for the parents. And then will you pray for uh, anxiety yeah. and stuff like that? So, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, there is no one that can love our children more than you. Lord, there's no one that cares about our kids' well-being more than you. So right now, in Jesus' name, I speak to the spirit of fear, of panic, of worry. And I say, you leave the children of God alone. You leave these parents alone. You leave these mothers in particular alone. If that's you, and you're like, I worry incessantly about my child. Look, just between you and the Lord right now, confess it. It's a sin. It's misplaced love. It's misapplied love. You have to trust God with your child. Father, I just speak healing, peace, and understanding over each parent here, God. Lord, I pray for those that have lost children. Lord, that you would continue to bring healing to their hearts. And Lord, we thank you for doing what only you can do in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for the minds you've given us, for the feelings we're able to feel for the thoughts we're able to thank God. Um, and uh, right now I speak to anyone going through anxiety or a deformity or, a, or uh, anything that's, that's experiencing, anything that's out of the normal, how their brain should act and how they should feel. And we speak to it right now in Jesus' name and tell it to be gone. Go. Go. We speak to everyone's Go. minds here. Yes. We tell anxiety to leave. Yes. And we thank you, Jesus, yes. that your peace is resting on everyone who's going through this. Yes. Lord, your word talks about peace that surpasses understanding. And so, God, we receive that right now in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, would you lift your hands towards the Lord?
Just say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive the peace that surpasses understanding. Guard my heart and guard my mind as I trust you in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks. Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.